I was smart enough to go through any door that opened. Joan Rivers. You are listening to The Real Estate Investor Show, episode number 11. Welcome, ladies, to The Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. When things don't go right, how many times do we want to simply give up? Just throw in the towel. Well, today's guest, Brennan Tomasetti, made the decision to learn from her challenges and as a result, built a much stronger and more successful real estate investing business in the process. Brennan and her husband, Mike, began investing by buying a duplex in Philadelphia in her mid-20s and decided after achieving financial freedom to move to Florida to invest in single-family homes during the downturn. After being faced with some challenges in their Florida venture, they regrouped and decided to return to Philadelphia and focus their energy in building their buy-and-hold portfolio through new construction and development projects, such as warehouse conversions. In addition to her investing business, she runs a small consulting firm and is a mom to an adorable toddler. Hey, Andressa, how are we doing? Hey, Liz, I'm great. How about you? Good, good. We're just uh, coming off our our whirlwind um, day last week, right? We were in Philadelphia and checking yeah. out our new construction project, which is exciting. It's always good, especially when it's rainy and cold. I know. That wasn't fun. I, I feel <laughs> for you. Being in construction, you're on the sites more. So uh, you were, you were, I was freezing. I was just like, when are we going into the warmth? But uh, we had a really interesting day. We we're, were actually interviewing some realtors for our project. And um, we were asking them where would they price our project. And I have to say that they were so different <laughs> in what they thought. And it was just really fascinating because you have to do, you know, your homework. So I don't know what you got from that, Andressa, but that was a, was a whirlwind situation of, I was thinking they'd be more similar and they weren't. So Yeah, absolutely. I think that for everybody that is listening to us, we do respect and appreciate Realtors' times. And, but it's, it's, you know, it's your property. You need to do your due diligence and make sure you understand the market as much as possible and don't rely just on what they say because when, when I ask all of them the same question, why would you price this way? And they said, the comps. So they all said the same thing. However, they had a huge spread. $100,000 is a big spread. So there's something into it. So the next step is just to, okay, talk to me about your comps because we might not be on the same page here. I don't want to overprice a property, but at the same time, I don't want to give it away. I want to be fair and move on. That's, that's the goal for, for us on this project. So no matter how long you're in this business, you know, it's <laughs> very interesting and you got to keep doing that due diligence and, and, uh, and just, and I just looked at each other like, what just happened? <laughs> but anyway, um, we have a really exciting uh, guest here today with us, uh, Brennan Tomasetti. She is uh, based in Philadelphia and uh, we're going to ask you welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. We're excited about this uh, interview together. Uh, Brennan brings a, a wealth of knowledge in a lot of different fronts. Um, and, you know, as we jump in, we, we definitely love to hear your, um, you know, what compelled you to get involved in real estate investing? Uh, you know, was it, was it, you know, the rental income, rich dad, poor dad? <laughs> you know, what, what, what propelled you into this, this uh, exciting game of investing? 
Yeah, so funny you should say, because for me, it was rich dad, poor dad, like so many others. I uh, was fairly fresh out of college, had a corporate America gig with IBM, and was 100% travel at the time, and got stuck at the Buffalo airport in the snow. And uh, a colleague at work had recently passed me rich dad, poor dad, and said, you know, if I were your age, this is what I would be doing. And so I took that opportunity, being stuck at the airport, and read probably 80% of the book uh, at that one sitting, and it just really changed my thought process and uh, how I saw my plans for retirement in the future. And you were in your 20s? I was, yeah. I was, uh, gosh, early 20s. Yeah, probably 22, 23. Most people in their 20s are not reading like personal growth books. I mean, I, I was, and I'm they sure- They're not I'm tr- reading at all. They're reading at all, right? But, you know, Andres and I were probably because we're, we're, you know, geeks and we, we got, you know, but most people are not. And that's pretty remarkable. So what, you know, what for you pulled you there? I mean, you know. I, I always was a reader. Um, so I guess that wasn't foreign to me. Now, did I read prior to Rich Dad, Poor Dad, a lot of, you know, self-help type, I guess, books, I would call them probably not. But I really respected this individual who I worked with. His name was Greg Tuttle. Their name is Greg Tuttle. And um, I just really thought if he was passing this on to me, I better I better sit down and read it because he was just a really, uh, is a very bright individual. So you read this book, got inspired. What did you do next? So I had these grand plans at the time, as I mentioned, fresh out of school. I was making, you know, probably more money, certainly more money than I ever had in my life. And, you know, probably didn't know what to do with the money. So I had these ideas that I was going to lease a fancy car and, you know, waste this money basically. But by the time I was done reading this book, I had just completely altered plans and thought, I'm going to drive the car that I have into the ground until it no longer functions. (laughs) And I'm going to put every penny I have into real estate so that hopefully I have a relatively short, you know, career in anything other than real estate, really. It just changed the perspective and kind of turned the lights on for me. So I spent from there a great deal of time. I'm one of those green personalities or analytical personalities. I spent, you know, all my free time on realtor.com looking at duplexes, single families in the city, getting to know the numbers. What are the prices? You know, what cash flows, what doesn't cash flow? And I probably did that for 18 to 24 months before I finally pulled the trigger and purchased my first investment property. Talk about your first investment property. Would you buy it again? I still own it. I would absolutely buy it again. It's a great duplex in Queen Village neighborhood of Philadelphia. Oh, I love it. Yeah, it's it's been a strong property and and I hope to to never never leave it. (laughs) So you said you 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 got to know the numbers. I mean that's a that's a a big piece for anyone, whether you are a seasoned investor, whether you're a new investor. Uh, you know, it, you always have to get to know the numbers, especially if you're, you're going into a new market. So it's not something that, oh, new, new investors have to do and people that have been around don't. So it's something that everyone kind of needs to do. How did you do that? So you went on to realtor.com. Like, how does someone orient themselves to a market, right? Because that's probably one of the most important things to do. So you know if you're paying too much, paying too little, getting a good deal, getting a yeah, okay deal, especially in this market, this, this competitive market. Yeah, agreed. I essentially 
it was just time, right? It was looking at, and I think they talked about this in Rich Dad Poor Dad as well, but looking at maybe 100 properties or 200 properties, analyzing the numbers before you find the gem, you know, that is the right one for you. And I just remember having a, you know, a very unsophisticated calculator that I built in Excel. My, to be full disclosure, my background's in accounting, so I'm a huge fan of Excel. That's kind of how I live my life. But it was really a very simple calculator that I built following the rules that were outlined in Rich Dad Poor Dad to say, this is how you determine if a property is going to cash flow or not. And I just did it over and over and over again until... You know, most properties I looked at didn't look great. And then there were a few that you just hone in on and start to have a conversation and say, okay, I'm going to go look at these, right? I'm going to go see what kind of condition this property's in. Hmm. That's great. That That's a great point because sometimes uh, people looked at about five to 10 and they get discouraged. So if you have a goal of looking at a hundred and then you knock it down those that don't make sense on the paper and then you're gonna see it the ones that make sense on the paper and you knock it down those that don't make sense you know the outside it does not make sense if you have you know a bar next to a property that will be a red flag to me like a restaurant a very busy restaurant might be a red flag to me a busy street might be a red flag as well so you knock those down as well and then you you look at those inside that does make sense on the paper, on the outside, and hopefully in this inside. Does that make sense, Bryn? It does. I agree. There's a few different components that have to fall into place, right? There's the Absolutely. numbers making sense on paper, and then there's factors of, as you guys well know, you know there's a lot of stuff out on the MLS, and these people aren't necessarily serious, bot, serious sellers, rather. But what I eventually stumbled upon was someone who was liquidating their portfolio, an old, you know, an older, more seasoned investor who bought this property 20 plus years ago. And I not only bought this first property from him, but my second purchase was from his portfolio as well. He was done, right? He had made his money and was willing to let it go at a reasonable price. And so finding that component as well, a seller that really is motivated to sell is looking for a fair price, not, you know, just listening out there to see if they can get an overvalued, uh, you know, somebody to pick up on a, on an overvalued property. You have to weed, go through the weeds to find those. Yeah, absolutely. And you fast forward a couple of years down the road, you achieve your financial freedom. What sacrifices you had to do in order to achieve that? It was really just focusing. Um, once, you know, I kind of had a clear plan in mind. I, I purchased uh, the first couple of properties. My boyfriend, now husband at the time, was involved, owned a um, landscaping and construction company. And he pretty quickly, you know, appreciated what was going on. I think at first he probably thought I was insane, but after the checks started coming every month, um, he got it and we became really a team and started looking at these things together and putting together a formula to say, how much do we need, right? We were young and had pretty simple tastes at the time. And so getting to that goal of being able to have real estate produce enough income to afford us our simple lives, you know, we were fortunate enough to be able to do that within a, a handful of years. That's great. And then, so then you, you, you 
shifted things up. You went to, so at that point, how many rentals did you have? How many door, you know, how many units or properties did you, did you own? Cause then you made a big, you took a big step. Right. Like a little more about. Great question. I would, I'm guessing here, but I would say we probably had six to eight rental properties and they may have been, you know, duplex, triplex, or even single family in okay. Philadelphia when we hit that goal. So then at that point, you, you kind of shifted, shifted and pivoted, as they say, <laughs> There's a lot of pivots in this business, and you, and you moved to Florida together, right? The two of you jumped ship, left Philly, and went to Florida. That's right. We went all in, as they say, and I quit my job in corporate America. My husband sold his landscaping construction company, and we moved to Jacksonville, Florida to invest in real estate full time. And so we did a, um, and my brother, who was living in Key West at the time, moved up, you know, the uh, coast in Florida and joined us in Jacksonville. And so the three of us uh, launched a new entity that uh, purchased single family homes. It was at the, um, at the beginning of the real estate crash, really, right? We went down there at the end of 2005. So we were purchasing properties from the banks at, you know, pennies on the dollar at the time. Now, we didn't know that the end, we hadn't reached the end yet, um, but we thought we were getting pretty great deals. And we were getting pretty great deals on some of these properties. So, so tell me what happened after. <laughs> I'm curious. <laughs> so as it turns out, not the greatest investment decision we ever made, but we learned a great deal. So we went down there, like I said, on a mission to purchase as many of these single family homes as we could. Our goal, I think, internally was 100. We made it to just about 50. Um, and then the banking crisis occurred, right? The big bank bailout. And what transpired there was that when the banks failed, they imposed a rule, a restriction that prohibited individuals from owning, from having loans on more than 10 properties per person. Oh. And by that time, of course, we all had more than 10 in our name. So it brought us to a screeching halt, which in retrospect was not a bad thing um, because we had built this portfolio of homes that we were now managing full time. Um, and that was really more than enough on our plates to deal with. So hmm. we wrapped everything up in property management, left Florida in 2009 and came back to Philadelphia and were a little bit stalled because the funding, which was so free-flowing previously, had really dried up for us. It was very difficult to get a loan to acquire any more real estate at the time. In, in Florida? In, in, in the United States. Okay, Certainly in Florida, but in the United States, we couldn't, you know, we just banks would not give us additional loans because we had hit that 10 cap rule which held for many years. Gotcha. Yeah. What, so have you, so do you still hold those properties in, in, in uh, Florida? Some of them. Um, we've started an exit strategy there. As I mentioned, not the greatest investment um, we've made. What we didn't account for in Jacksonville was we had grown accustomed to these properties in Philadelphia, which were 
a little bit higher end, I would say, you know, center city properties where um, young professionals were our tenants and either they were on the lease or mommy and daddy were on the lease as well, which is even better. When we went to Florida, we were in more like a starter home market and these folks were had large families, which takes a little bit more toll on the property itself and weren't always in the best financial position and so sometimes struggled to pay the rent. So we were having a much more expensive turnaround cost than we were used to in Philadelphia and a much shorter window of time that our tenants stayed in the property. So all of that just translates to higher expenses mm -hmm. that we hadn't accounted for. And at the same time, to compound it even further, when we went to Florida and started purchasing these properties, as I mentioned, the turn had begun, but it hadn't ended yet. So things kept going south on the values of these properties. So it put us in a position that, you know, was less than ideal. So we have worked on exiting those. We're down to about a dozen in Jacksonville at this time. And you, but you continued, you continued doing real estate investing rentals, rentals and flipping in the Philly area since, since moving back? Yes. So when we came back, because of the financing issues, we initially went into flipping and we had a company called Philly Home Flipper. And Catchy. I like it. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> and, uh, and so I, at the same time, launched a software consulting business. So I kind of went back into what I had been doing in corporate America, but did so as a, a single, you know, um, business owner as opposed to an employee because there are advantages to that when investing in real estate. And then my husband, Mike, became the driver for this Philly Home Flipper. So we were acquiring, you know, properties that needed a, a turnaround in the city and then fixing them up and, you know, flipping them to a, an end buyer. That's great. I mean, I feel like your story is so long, so similar to our story in so many ways. We didn't we didn't go to Florida, but um, <laughs> I was gonna say, did you go to Florida? I didn't go to Florida. <laughs> sure know that part, but no. I, it, there's so many people I think in this business that don't realize that you know real estate investing. It's like there's so many different elements that that are included. It's not just one piece, and you're not gonna make like a million dollars on every project, on every deal, on every everything you get yourself into. I mean, I don't know anyone that, that hits a home run every time. And if they do say they, I don't know, I, I would be surprised if, if they literally hit a home run every time they go up to bat. But you keep learning and you keep growing and then you keep shifting. And I think what's remarkable about your story is you guys came back to Philadelphia, you started your, your own practice and then, but you kept going with your real estate investing company and you pivoted again what drew you again to, okay, what can we learn from what happened in Florida and how do we make it better or how do we shift things up here so we can continue on the path? Like, how did you make that decision? Because that's not the easiest decision. Most people would come back and go, oh, we tried that. That was great. We're going to shift all together. You, you know, you both go and get nine, nine to five jobs. That's not what you did. And I think that's, that's really remarkable. And I think that's the key. So what, what made you both continue on in this business? It's interesting because I don't know that it was a, ever a conscious decision that we made. It just wasn't even a question for us. Um, I, you're right. I've met plenty of people who gave it a go and it didn't work out and they never invested in real estate again. But for us, 
our underlying belief in real estate as an asset, as our means of retirement compared to the other options that are available, we just believe in it that strongly. I don't, um, I don't think we could picture it any other way. So we realized there was a setback and we needed to change our approach and strategize, you know, to do things a different way because of the constraint on the banking end, the financing end. Um, but I don't think we ever really thought about throwing in the towel. It just is like a way of life for us at this point. So we just had to kind of bob and weave and, and find the, the next course. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned that you work uh, with your husband and you guys been building the company for many years. Um, talk to me about what are the challenges that you guys face and what are the benefits of working with your best friend? There are challenges for sure. Um, one thing we learned pretty early on was it's great if you can set boundaries as to areas of responsibility and accountability. The last thing you want is to be stepping on each other's toes and kind of telling each other, you know, what to do in certain aspects. So, you know, Mike very much manages the negotiating, the um, finding the deals most of the time, um, certainly the construction and overall operations and finance in the back of the house is more my realm of expertise. Now that said, you know, Mike's gotten great at the finance as well. And I've learned a great deal more than I ever thought I would about construction. Mm -hmm. So there's that knowledge sharing there, but you have to give each other authority and accountability so that you're not constantly in each other's space. Right. Cause spending that many hours a day <laughs> with one another can become a challenge if, if you let it. Right. So we try to contain it. We have um, weekly meetings or bi-weekly meetings where we sit down and try to focus having the tough business conversations in that space as opposed to doing that over dinner or certainly not on like date night. <laughs> you try to contain it to certain hours of, of the day and shut it off. It's not always possible. Hard, right? Which is really hard. <laughs> Yeah, it's I, just it's just automatic. We sometimes like, are we crazy that we always talk about real estate, no matter where what we are doing just comes up, and all of a sudden you are talking again about it. So it's it's really a conscious decision about setting up the boundaries and and making a choice to to not talk over dinner or in a in a date or in the mid. In a, it, doing, doing a dinner time with the family or, or friends, if that's the choice. And yeah. respecting the boundaries. I mean, yeah. I, I've also worked with my husband for many years, full-time, part-time, strategically, in the business, out of that. I mean, all kinds of ways I've worked with my husband. And, you know, I, I, really, I really feel like after like 12 years, well, how long have we been married? 13 years. Last year was the first year I finally got it, that you know, that the boundaries were important. I always knew there were, we needed to have boundaries, but I just never really listened to him and just asked him questions about the business all the time. <laughs> I got it finally. You know, we're on our way home. When you have three hours in the car, you're driving home from a wedding, you nothing else to do except just chat about sometimes your relationship and um, the kids aren't in the car. It's just the two of us. And he's, and, and we really got some clarity around what boundaries you want another need. So, I think that's so important and, and you have to really respect your partner's wishes, especially if you're not full time in the business, which, you know, my husband's more day to day operator and I'm in the business, but I'm not 
in the business the way he is. So right. he'll come home and be, I'll be like, how's this going? How's this building? How's that? Like I'm his manager. You know? mm-hmm. I'm like his little manager that sits at home waiting for him to give me all the good news. That's not effective for our marriage or for our relationship. <laughs> well, later, finally figured that out. But the point is that the boundaries, your boundaries are not the same as your partner's and you have to know what they are and respect them as hard as it is. Agreed. And I have that same issue, Liz, because I'm not in it every day as much as Mike is anymore. I have that same challenge where when he comes home, I want to know what's new. What was the great thing that happened in our real estate business today? Because I've been doing software consulting all day. It's the last thing I want to talk about, but he wants a break too, right? That's right. That's right. I'm curious how, because how old is your daughter? Two. Two years old. So, so you guys get financially free, you start buying properties, you move to Florida, you take this, you t- try this new venture, um, you make things right, you move back, you know, you keep building the business, you keep shifting and moving and growing your portfolio and doing a lot of neat things in Philadelphia. And then you have a daughter. So how does that piece, you know, how does that growing your family, having this adorable little one, which I, I've seen pictures of, pictures of and know she's adorable. How do you then balance it all? right? How do you personally balance it all? Because how has having a daughter shifted your investing goals? Yeah, that's a, that's an important question. And it has, it changes your perspective as I'm sure both of you know, on pretty much everything. Um, it makes the foundation, in my opinion, even stronger, right? Your goals to your passion to reach the goals that you've set, You've got new reason, uh, you know, to make that happen. So if anything, I think, I feel like it makes our conviction and our um, goals and objectives even stronger having Luca now in the space. Um, But at the same time, it also reinforces that need to separate, you know, family time from business time, you know, we are those parents that, you know, Luca was probably a month old, if that, you know, when she saw her first construction site, we go to <laughs> houses on Sunday because we think that's a good time. <laughs> but, you know, we also try to keep it light and make sure we're stopping at the park, you know, on the way home or on the way there or, you know, doing other types of things as well. Um, but keeping, you know, keeping a good mix of that. That makes sense. So as a woman, you know, we wear 100, 150, I don't know how many hats we wear every single day. Um, What will be your superpower if you had to choose one? Superpower. That's a great question. Um, I don't know, Andresi, you got me there. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to sleep for the entire night, that's all. Sleep is, is, is paramount and we're lucky. We've got a good sleeper. So I don't know what I would do without the full night's sleep. Um, yeah, I don't know about a superpower. Superpower is, uh, I'll tell you my superpower. Yeah. Thanks. (laughs) I just saw, we saw Black Panther. What a terrific movie. And I don't like Marvel movies. I got dragged to it on our date night, but it was Fantastic. And the women in there are completely badass. <laughs> like, they're are amazing. Uh, are amazing. Like, wow. But, you know, the superpower for me would be, and I don't know if this is a superpower, but being present. Mm. 
to everything that's I'm in front of that it's that's in front of me to do because I think that's my biggest challenge is because I you know we're 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 balancing all these you know balls in the air so to speak and I'm finding myself as I'm taking more on I'm not as present to what I'm doing and I'm really really conscious of that so if I can that's a, I don't know if that's a superpower but if I could seriously be yeah. 100%, 110% present to what I'm doing in every moment, that would be, you know, awesome. So I'm going to work on that, obviously, but it'd be cool if it was a superpower. <laughs> I would love to have that superpower. That is for sure. Because multitasking, I don't know that there's a moment during the day besides maybe a, like a meditation break where I'm not trying to do two or three things at once, unfortunately. Right. I, I think that I, 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 I personally condition my brain to work on a few things at the same time. So when I'm working on just one, I am like, okay, what else I can do over here? Why do I am waiting here? And, you know, but I think that I completely agree with you, Liz, like being present at the moment when you are with your kid, you're with your kid, when you're at a job site or whatever transaction you are doing, you're there. It's just that guilty feeling that, we need to manage in a daily basis because we always want to. That's why we, we do what we do because we want to spend more time with them and make sure that we are setting, you know, a special future for all of them. I think that they just motivate us so much. I have a two and a half year old here too. At least you have two little ones too. That when we look at them, you just jump out of the bed and just, just go. Yeah, right. absolutely. So you have 40 plus units now, Brennan? Yes. The in rental? Between Philadelphia and we've built back up Philadelphia and between Philly and Jacksonville, we're at about 40, yep. Okay. Where are you guys headed? You know, and I, where, where, what are your next steps? And like, you know, that's a big piece of this business too. I mean, often people want to get that first property and then they build a portfolio and then they're growing and, but then, you know, things change, right? Our goals change, our goals shift. So I'm, I'm just curious, you know, where, where, are, you, where are you headed? You know, where are you and your husband's goals headed next? And, you know, how are you monitoring that? Our most recent shift has really been into larger multifamily properties. And that is um, really been Mike's focus. And Mike has absolutely been the driver behind making that happen. It was interesting because when we went to Florida, it was all about how many houses can we get? Like mm. that, that felt like somehow if we could get more houses, it would be better. And now what we've learned from that is to focus on the quality of the investments and maybe not having, you know, 50 different addresses that you have to manage, but maybe having one or two or three addresses that you manage that have a number of doors, mm. uh, you know, within. Um, so that's been the biggest shift lately moving into, you know, dozens of doors under one roof. And so that's super exciting. We've started doing some new construction. We've done some cool like warehouse renovation projects that have been a lot of fun, things that we've just never been involved in before. Um, you know, that's the cool thing about real estate. There's always something new right around the corner. You know, you can do flips one day and then single family home investments the next day and multis beyond that. There's so many different facets, even getting into commercial, you know, some of the commercial space in our multifamilies, that's been fun and interesting to learn about. Um, but I think overall, just stabilizing that portfolio and continuing to grow and build and develop um, 
in Philadelphia is our objective. So I think you made an excellent point about uh, being smart about your investment instead of looking at the quantity itself to fulfill, you know, if they're cash flowing well, beautiful. But if they're not, like working smart and choosing the investment that makes more financial sense, uh, I think that that was a great point. I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, no, that absolutely is. You know, the other the other question that that I have for you too is, for those who don't know, Philadelphia is a very, very competitive and hot market. And I think there's a lot of hot markets just because of the nature of the real estate market we're in right now. However, being someone who invests in, real, in Philadelphia as well, you know, and you'll, you'll hear that across the country, even, even just in, you know, in bigger pockets and all these forums and what have you. It's not an uncommon thing you're hearing in, in the kind of like the, um, you know, uh, from other investors. So how do, you got, how do you manage that? How do you and your husband find good opportunities, you know, in, in such a competitive and, you know, in, in a market that everyone wants to be in? Um, so I'm just curious how, how you guys navigate that. It's a great question. And I think it comes down to relationships, really. Um, that was interesting in the transition. We, you know, we're from Philly. We invested in Philly before, but even just that three to four year break we took and left and went to Florida, when we came back to Philly, it took some time to ramp back up and make sure, you know, we got to know the players. And But I really do think that it comes 100% down to uh, relationships. And that's a strong point of my husband's he's just that guy who's out on the street shaking hands and kissing babies as you might say <laughs> he knows you know people in departments with the city of philadelphia he knows a lot of the developers and you know real estate investors and realtors in the city and he's um constantly having those conversations and trying to dig up deals before they hit the market you know really just making sure that you're networking and you know making people aware that you are in the market for, for deals, you know, viable deals if they're there. Yeah. I, I heard a say that says that real estate is a, it has nothing to do with houses. It's just a relationship business that have, it has houses attached to it. Mm -hmm. That's, that's basically what you're saying. So Brandon, uh, for everybody that is listening to us, where they can find out more about you and also see the projects that you guys been working on? Sure. So our company is called Chivetta Property Group. It's C-I-V-E-T-T-A Property Group. And we are on Facebook and Instagram and have a website, chivettapropertygroup.com. Um, and then I think my husband and my numbers are both published there as well. And we love talking to other real estate investors. So um happy to, to have some conversations. That's great. The, um, no, and I, I think that's great. We're going to, we're going to move to our uh, fabulous three. Andres is going to ask those just in a moment, but I, I, I also would recommend the people that are listening, the women that are listening, people always say, well, how can I get started? I don't know anything or everyone can network and everyone can build relationships. So that is something that everyone can do. And Brennan, you're absolutely right. That is how you navigate a hot market or a cold market for that matter. You have to start being in the, in the conversation and, and getting to know people and adding value. So anyone can do that. And, you know, it doesn't matter how experienced you are or how new you are to this business. I think that's um, just something I wanted to reiterate because people want to so badly get involved in the business yet they don't 
go out there and meet people and try to add value. And they don't, they don't do what you need to do. And that's really what you need to do. Whether you're networking with, you know, realtors or, or title agents or whomever, everyone can go out to these meetings. Everyone can begin to build relationships. That's not something you have to be a certain point in your career to be able to do. Anyone can do it. As long as you could speak and, uh, you right. know, get to these meetings, then you're good. And, and you don't just talk about yourself the whole time. Yeah. That's <laughs> exactly you. you just have to be willing, a willing participant, right? right. Like right. be willing to meet some new people and have a conversation about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I just wanted to say that, but that's, that's awesome. So I'll give you the floor, Miss Andressa. All right. So we're going to do our fa fabulous three questions. So the first one that we would like to know is what's the most transformational book you have ever read? Right. So we covered Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Right. Uh, we talked about that. So I'm going to talk about something a bit more recent, and that's a book called What Matters Most, written by Brian Scrone. And so, as you guys mentioned earlier, women in particular have a, wear a lot of hats, have a lot of balls in the air, and you're constantly trying to balance things. And as Liz mentioned, be present at the same time, which, yeah, that is the superpower. So thanks for pulling that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this book is really all about that, trying to find focus and truly understand what is most important in your life and why. And then there's these five fundamental areas that you should constantly be mindful of when it comes to setting your goals and uh, focusing on priorities within your life. And this book has really, for me, made that um, c come into more of a focus, you know, making sure that I have time in my life for, you know, meditation or health and well-being and focusing on, you know, eating right. And all of those things really feed into making the rest of our life more successful and um, more balanced. So. Yeah, What Matters Most, Brian Skern. That's been a, a great book that I read recently. I'm going to check it out. Yeah. You have mentioned a few times uh, meditation. Uh, would you consider that the most powerful routine you do to create a balanced life? I'll be honest. I wish I did it more. Um, I, you know, I'd like to do it daily. I probably do it a couple times a week. But meditation doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, a... Um, you know, setting aside an hour a day and, you know, sitting in a corner. Sometimes it's just taking five to 10 minutes and focusing, you know, on an intention or um, quieting my mind. I have a mind that races. And as we talked about with the multitasking and all, sometimes it can get to be just too much going on in your head. And so kind of a cool trick that a mentor, Keith Cunningham, taught us years ago to stop your brain and give it some quiet time was just to repeat to yourself, I wonder what my next thought will be. Mm. And you're not allowed to say anything else to yourself except that. And that actually prevents you from being able to think of your next thought, which is kind of cool. But if you do that for a few minutes, your brain kind of gets a break. <laughs> say that one um, more time. Say that one more time. I wonder what my next thought will be. Okay. That's brilliant. And you don't say, right? You don't say it out loud. You just internally say it to yourself. Um, and it just, that was a really powerful moment for me. And I use that from time to time. But to answer your question, Andresa, I do find that I get great peace from both yoga and meditation 
I don't do it as much as I'd like, but I, I feel stronger mentally and physically when I can make more time for both of those things in my life. Nice. Thank you for that. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm going to keep thinking about We're put that. Definitely in the show notes. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Um, and the last question um, that we want to know is uh, which woman, famous or not, has inspired you the most? Yeah. So that would be my, my mother and, uh, and my grandmother. Um, you know, working up, uh, growing up, my mother uh, was a single mom. She worked in corporate America. Um, I just was always looking up to her and aspiring to be, you know, more like her. She was financially, um, she made it happen, right, for herself. She started as a directory assistance operator at Bell Telephone, if anybody remembers that, like 555, or what was it, 555-1212, um, and ended up in management, so, you know, really climbed the ladder there for herself while raising my brother and I. And um, she taught us financial responsibility. She, you know, we wanted to kill her at the time. (laughs) um, She would put an IOU, you know, we were 10 years old. And if you wanted to buy something that she didn't think was necessary, you know, she put an IOU on the step and you had to pay her back over, you know, a period of time. It probably wasn't 10, but as soon as we were allowed to have a job, you had to uh, find a way to pay for those types of things yourself where, you know, a lot of my friends were not doing that, but later on in life that has um, always stuck with me and given me some fiscal responsibility and uh, yeah, just her work ethic. I'll always be forever grateful for the, um, the model that she provided there, the role model that she provided there. Awesome. That's, that's really neat. Um, I know the IOUs. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure that out for my son's four. And I'm like, I need to start doing stuff like that, right? I mean, right. it's a little early, but <laughs> you know, go, go work for your meal, you know? It, it stays with you, I'll tell you what. Yeah. You think twice about what you buy and what you don't. Right? <laughs> Brennan, thank you so much for coming on our show, The Real Estate Investor Show. We really, really appreciate your time and just great, great insight into a lot of different areas here. So we really just thank you so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. I wish you guys the best uh, success with this venture. And I think it's great that you're, that you've created this space for women. So thank you both for that. Yeah, no, thank absolutely. you. Thank you for, for, you know, sharing with us a little bit of your business and also your personal life. Thank you yeah. very much. All My right. pleasure. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Ciao. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There, you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community, and get updates on upcoming episodes. If you like our show, please share it with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.